enlightenment, empowerment, and promotion in power. That's godly sorrow. And the second one is worldly sorrow. Worldly sorrow brings self-pity, self-victimization, brings an increase of sorrows and hurts. Worldly sorrows lead to more depression, strife, and destruction. So you can tell the difference between godly sorrow and worldly sorrow by the fruit that it bears. The fruit of godly sorrow produces deliverance, transformation, promotion. Deliverance, transformation, and promotion. Whereas the fruit of worldly sorrow leads to death and destruction. The truth is that no matter what sorrow you are in, God wants you to receive comfort. Whether you are in godly sorrow or in worldly sorrow, God wants you to receive comfort and consolation. He's no longer condemning you when you are overwhelmed and attacked with sorrows and torments. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 to 4. God is not the one condemning you. God is not the one attacking you with sorrows. Sorrows come from the human soul. When one is under attack or under the conviction of the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 to 4. The reason why godly sorrow would come to you is because God is raising you up so that you have to put off more of the old man and put on more of the new man. There is a rise in level when it comes to the spiritual realm. There's a rise in power when it comes to your positional authority. In the realm of the spirit. Second Corinthians chapter 1 verse 3 to 4. Let's look at the nature of God. Blessed to be God. Even the father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The father of mercies. And the God of comfort. Who comforts us in all our tribulation. That we may be able to comfort them. Who are in any trouble. By the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. We serve God through what we have experienced in Christ Jesus. And that's why going to a Bible college, going to a ministry school can never equip you for ministry because you cannot serve him with your mind. You must serve him with your heart. And the heart grows by what we have experienced in Christ Jesus. So as we experience comfort, we know how much people need comfort. And as we have received comfort, we are able to give comfort. Sorrows come 
through attacks in the world. Sorrows come through the devil attacking you. When there is robbery, when there are times of catastrophes or accidents like in the case of Job, when there is a loss of possessions, the loss of family members, the loss of health, the loss of mental soundness, when you are very crushed, when you become very broken, of course, sorrows will come. Sorrows also come when you feel that you are being exploited, when you feel that you have been wronged. Sorrows come when you feel that you have been misunderstood. When you feel that you have been accused, you have been slandered, or when you know that people are gossiping about you behind your back. Sorrows come when we are ignored, when we feel that we are rejected, when we are betrayed by our good friends, betrayed by our close friends and family members. Sorrows come also when you are attacked by intrusive and destructive recurring ideas and thoughts and images, memories from your past, voices and dreams that harass you and torment your soul. So in short, sorrows and pain and hurt, they come when a person's soul that is, his or her will, mind, and emotions are under demonic pressure, enveloped by darkness. When your soul is in captivity, then you experience tremendous hurts and sorrows. If you look at Psalm 42, verse 3, Psalm 42, verse 3. God knows your hurts and your sorrows. He is your best friend and his love towards you is unconditional. He is your closest friend. He is your best counselor. He is your best comforter. Psalm 42 verse 3, this is David. My tears have been my meat day and night while they continually say unto me, where is your God? And that's why when you're going through a lot of pain, you feel so isolated, you feel so rejected. You want somebody to call you at that time and nobody is calling you. You want somebody to come into your room and give you a word of comfort, a word of courage, but that doesn't happen. Why? Because the devil is surrounding you and he's isolating you. And that attack is called zero in and conquer. David experienced that a lot in his life. And yet, he is a man after God's own heart. So don't condemn yourself when you're going through sorrows. Don't think that God doesn't care. I want to tell you that for those tears, he died. When you're in times of sorrow, your spirit is being weakened. And that's why for somebody who had gone through a lot of pain, who had gone through a lot of hurt, even in the past, their spirit had been weakened. When you're going through sorrows and hurt, your spirit becomes broken, weakened, overwhelmed, depleted, and vexed. 
In Proverbs 15, 13, we don't have to go there. It says, by sorrow of the heart, the spirit is broken. And that's why it's not the will of God for you to be sorrowful. Your sorrow is not a sacrifice unto God. So don't think that the more sorrowful you are, the more spiritual you are. No, that's not true. And then in Isaiah 65 verse 14, we are told that when you're going through sorrows, you're going through a vexation of spirits. It's not good for you. And also in times of sorrow, the heart, the human heart can become hardened against God and against people. Let's go to Job chapter 6, Job chapter 6 verse 10, Job 6 verse 10. Job said, I would harden my heart in sorrow. And that's what happened to him. Because he had decided to harden his heart in sorrow. To harden your heart in sorrow means you refuse to be teachable. You refuse to open yourself anymore and you become withdrawn. You become very guarded. You don't want to listen. And you become very sensitive to remarks. You become very sensitive to sayings and words. And you refuse to be ministered to and refuse to be enlightened. That's called the hardening of the soul, the hardening of the heart. And when a person is consumed with excessive grief and sorrows, his soul can succumb to physical pain and even sickness. Job chapter 17, verse 7. Job 17, verse 7. Job said, my eye also is dim. He was losing his eyesight because he had cried so much, because he had been so, so sorrowful, because he had been so hurt. He said, he said uh, in verse, Job chapter 17, verse Job 17, verse 7, my eye also is deemed by reason of sorrow. Job 17, verse 7, my eye also is deemed by reason of sorrow, and all my members are as a shadow. That means his eyes were weakened, and his limbs, and his bodies, and his bones were also weakened. Long and excessive sorrow is devastating and destructive. In Psalm 107 verse 39, Psalm 107 verse 39. Again, they are minished and brought low through oppression, affliction, and sorrow. So oppression, affliction, and sorrow can bring you down. Your mind becomes weakened. You lose your intelligence. Your mind becomes slow. You lose your joy and your gladness. Your emotions become destructive. And you lose the power of your will to hold you up. You become very, very easily broken and you become susceptible to nervous breakdown. Sorrows can be very, very devastating and destructive. 
When a person becomes ashamed and angry through sorrows and pain, then there is a rebellion rising up within, and he starts to distance himself or herself from God and from people. And when a person is withdrawn and depressed, he can even become suicidal. And if you do not succumb to that part of the devourer, the devil, then you can succumb to the other side of the devil, which is that he will make you hypocritical. You're putting on a mask every time when you see people. You put on a mask where every time you come to church. You pretend to laugh, but on the inside, you're hurting. And you have to always come up with jokes. You try to joke around because you don't really know how to talk. Communication becomes very hard for you because of the hurts happening on the inside. And the devil can pervert you and you become hypocritically religious. And the joy then comes from controlling people because then you can have control. And when you can exercise control, then you feel that you are not so devastated and not so devoured. Another way to escape sorrows would be through addictions. One becomes workaholic. You are very sad and you borrow your, you bury your sorrows in works. You're very sad, and that's why you keep working. Because when you work, you don't think. When you work, you don't feel. And you become a workaholic. Or, as some others, they numb their senses with alcohol, with chemicals. And you can become even violent, and you can become sadistic. And that's why people that are going through hurts and pain, they hurt themselves. They are into self-harm when they are loaded with guilt and shame. And they need to vent themselves through violence. Coming through self-harm or coming through hurting people or coming through controlling people. And without you even knowing it, you become very bossy because you have been hurt again. And again, we need to understand there are three areas in life, the divine, the human, and the demonic. We need to understand ourselves, and we need to understand people. Through the divine, the human, and the demonic, and all these revelations have been given to us in the Bible. People in general, the human, even children, you can see that very clearly in children, little ones, and of course, a lot in teenagers. People are very much into self-preservation. Self-preservation is the human way of living. Living by keeping myself. Providing for myself, guarding myself from all harm. And we take this kind of attitude, if not carefully, into our interactions with people and with God. Have you ever noticed that when you listen to somebody, you will be very quick to defend yourself when that person is not actually attacking you? 
But it's very easy for you to hear that as an attack. And you start to reply with, well, I've never done that. I've never been like that. When that person was actually communicating and was not really telling you that you were like that. When you're in self-defense, which a lot of the times we are, we are quick to protect, quick to defend ourselves. Self-reasoning becomes a way to justify our wrongs and to declare our innocence. And we become very argumentative, as you can see in the book of Job. We see through the lens of self-preservation, self-defense, self-vindication, self-pity, self-righteousness. And when we are hurting, we feel that we are being wronged, being attacked. And as a result, you become very guarded. And being guarded becomes your lifestyle. We've talked about the demonic and the human. Let's talk about the divine. God's heart is salvation and comfort, not punishment. For some reason, in our parenting and also in our culture, we feel that if we don't tell somebody that he's wrong, he will never know that he's wrong. If we don't correct somebody, then she will never be corrected. But this is so false because God has put in every one of us a conscience. There is on the inside of you a signal from God that will tell you And that will correct you. We call that the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Even the unsaved have that. Let's go to uh, Job chapter 42 verse 6. Job 42 verse 6. This is very eye-opening. Job 42 verse 6. Wherefore, after Job had had an encounter with God, he said, therefore I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. I want you to know the word repent in that scripture. Therefore I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. The word repent is the Hebrew word naham. Naham is translated also as comfort and consolation. So if you read the scripture, it can be translated as, therefore, I abhor myself and repent in the comfort of dust and ashes. So repentance actually brings comfort to the soul. Repentance is the highest form of comfort to a person. Can we have an amen? To repent means you don't ever go back to what destroys you and hurts you anymore. To repent means you are staying in the comfort and the solace of God. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 7. This is another very powerful scripture. Now remember there was somebody who had sinned terribly in the Corinthian church. He committed incest. And let's look at this. So that contrary wise, you ought rather to forgive him and comfort him. Can you see the heart of God? 
The heart of God is not for us to continue to harbor malice against sinners. Even if you see him sin every day, even if you see her sin every day, it's not for you to continue to harbor unforgiveness and condemnation. No, so that contrary-wise, you ought rather to forgive him and comfort him, lest perhaps such a one should be swallowed up with over much sorrow. I believe that every parent needs to understand this, and every husband, every wife needs to understand this. Every doctor needs to understand this. Every Christian needs to understand this. So that we stop pointing finger, we stop judging, we stop being harsh with people, we stop pushing people down the tube of sorrows and hurts. Can we say amen? Amen. The human soul finds it very, very difficult to live with someone who annoys you. The human soul finds it very, very hard to live with sin. But that's your problem. So don't try to push it down the person who is already hurting. Can we say amen? Can we say amen? Hallelujah. So please take this to heart. Amen. We ought rather to forgive him or forgive her and comfort him or comfort her. That's where salvation comes. That's what the sinners need. Forgiveness and comfort. Can we say amen? That's what our children need. Forgiveness and comfort. Because you're turning the atmosphere. You're turning the atmosphere around from sorrows to joy. Can we say amen? Glory be to God. Amen. Look at Isaiah 14 verse 3. Isaiah 14 verse 3. And it shall come to pass in the day that the Lord shall give you rest from your sorrow. It's called deliverance. Rest from your sorrow and from your fear and the hard bondage wherein you were made to serve. The key is that if we don't choose to serve God, then we choose to serve bondage. The world is full of bondage. Hell is full of bondage. And that's why there's so much sorrow in the world. There's so much strife in the world. There's a lot of pain in the world. How do we stop from feeling the pain by killing someone else? How do we stop the hatred by stabbing someone else? How do we stop the anger by fighting with each other? That's how the world resolves it. The kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ is forgiveness, mercy, and grace. The kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ is, therefore, there is now no condemnation. For those who are in Christ Jesus, just jump into Christ Jesus. Just jump into Christ Jesus. Let him be your world and there is no condemnation. And very difficult to say, it seems like the church is the most judgmental place. Christians, it's like we seem to learn the Bible so that we can judge each other better. Come on, say with me, I repent. One more time, I repent. 
Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Let me ask you, did Jesus die on the cross to judge more people? Did Jesus die on the cross to send people to hell? What did he do? To save. To save. To save sinners. Hallelujah. The Lord recognizes that there is the need for comfort. Every one of us needs comfort. Say to the person next to you, I know that you need comfort. Amen. Needing comfort is not a sign of weakness. Needing comfort is not a sign of wrong. No, every one of us needs comfort. Physically, well, you can ask Dr. Liu, nobody wants to go through pain. What do we get? Painkiller, right? If you're about to go to the operating room, what do you get? A numbing cream or whatever, what's that called? To anesthetics, right? For comfort, physical, tablets, medication, right? In the soul, we need comfort. And some take comfort, I know that I do this myself, from food. How many of us have done that? Take comfort from food. And some of us take comfort from entertainment. Well, I get entertained when I watch a video teaching me how to make a card, a birthday card, or teaching me how to do some craft. You know, that's entertainment to me. It helps me to relax. And some takes comfort from partying. Some takes comfort from other unhealthy means. And some of us, we need, especially the women, I don't know about men, you can ask my husband, some need the sweet and consoling and encouraging words. Can we say an amen? <laughs> sweet, encouraging, and consoling words. Some of us need just simply a hearing ear. You know, I've had my children calling me and telling me, Mom, I don't need you to say anything. I just need you to listen. I'm just venting. I said, fine, that's fine with me. Amen? Amen. So, and some, we need somebody else to understand us, to share with us our sorrows. We need somebody's light and joy to shine on us. Amen? Praise the Lord. When you are in sorrows, that's the, not the time when you need to hear harsh words. When you're going through sorrows, that's not the time for you to hear somebody chastising you or scolding you. Can we say amen? And another way that people have dealt with sorrows would be suppression. That you suppress it. We talked about that just now. So that nobody sees it and nobody will laugh at me. Somebody will think that I am weak. Now, I know that the male does this a lot. Because men, you're supposed to be strong. Tears means that you're weak. No, David cried a lot. And he's a mighty warrior. He's a king. He's a man after God's own heart. So don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that all the men go home and start crying. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that don't suppress sorrows. It's better that you deal with it. Deal with it, amen, by going to the Holy Ghost and ask what's hurting you and how you can resolve that. Can we say amen? The world lives by sensual, material, and relational 
comfort. And that's why you can have husband and wife becoming so codependent. They don't need anybody else because they're being codependent. Now, codependency is not the way to live. We need one another. And you need more than just one person in your life. Say to the person next to you, you need more than just one. You need more than just one person in your life. Amen. Don't give everything to one person. That's not fair. Share. (laughs) Say to the person next to you, share your love. (laughs) Amen. Amen. I'm not saying that you share your sorrows with everyone. You need to know those that you can be, that can be trusted. Okay. But at the same time, I'm not saying that we should be living in a codependent relationship, that you don't care about anyone else. You can't talk with anyone else but your wife or your husband or somebody who is close to you. Can we say amen? We need to build our friends. You need to have a friendship circle. Amen? And it's healthy and it's good for us to have many friends. You don't need just confidence. You need just people. Can we say Amen? Amen. We need people. Come on, say to yourself, I need people. Amen. People who can bless you and people whom you can bless. Amen. You don't just need those that bless you. You need those that you can bless as well. Can we say amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, let's go to the third one, spiritual comfort. Now, the world focuses on material and relational comfort. And that's why the God of the world, who is the God of the world? Come on, church, tell me. Satan, what is his number? Triple six, the Antichrist. Six, six is the number of a man. The world is into humanism. And that's why you get all the robots. And you get all the different ways to improve the human body. If you've lost the arm, if you've lost an arm, they can give you a robotic arm. If you've lost an egg, they can give you a, robo- a robotic egg, which is good. But then when it becomes controlling, if you've lost your brain and they start giving you a brain, and that's when you need to be very careful. Don't just allow anybody to put a chip in your brain. The world is going that way, but the church knows better. Can we say amen? Number three, spiritual comfort. Religion is called the opium of the mind, the crutches for the late. Some take comfort in religion, in the law, as I said just now, in being a religious hypocrite, in control. I want to tell you, and it's so important that we know, the church does not have a hierarchy. The church does not have a hierarchy. That's the Catholic church. The highest is the Pope. No, the church that the Lord Jesus Christ had started, it doesn't have a hierarchy. Nobody is higher than you. Nobody is more spiritual than you. Nobody is greater than you. Nobody is bossing you. We have different assignments. We have different roles, but everyone is needed. And if you think you are a leader and you've promoted yourself to be a leader and nobody's following you, guess what? You're not a leader. You can't force leadership on anybody. We can't force leadership on anyone. 
a leader is somebody who is willing to love, somebody who is willing to give, somebody who is willing to wait on God for others. Can we say amen? Can we say amen? Glory be to God. Please understand this. A leader is somebody who is willing to serve. And to serve God effectually, to serve God efficiently, we cannot be complaining and sighing and moaning when we serve. The word of God says that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. So serving God shouldn't be a burden to you. If you're running home group, if you're running groups and it has become a burden for you, maybe it's time for you to take a break. It's time for you to take a break. We can't serve God out of a sense of duty because then you'll be doing it for duty and not for love. People will become annoying to you. They will become burdensome to you. They will become much trouble to you because the love of God is not there. And remember, I said last Sunday, divine love is not what we can generate. Divine love is what we must receive. Spending time with God, fellowshipping with him, lifting up your soul. Remember David said, unto you, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. That's how you receive comfort. That's how you receive love. Because you don't have much trouble in your spirit, but in your soul, there's all, all, that's all the problems. That's why even Christians have problems because they are not strong in the spirit, but they are soulish. And that's why transformation is vital. And that's why we've heard pastors, they have become so troubled, so burdened, they start taking alcohol, and then the devil attacked him during that time of weakness. So can you say to the person next to you, pray for your pastor and your leaders. Amen, amen, hallelujah. It's so important that we pray for one another. Amen. And there are those that have joined cults. They've become human, uh, they've become devil worshippers because they have been hurt. A lot of times those that have joined the cults, uh, Satan worship is because they have been hurt in the past, especially by Christians. So we as Christians, the Bible says that we don't stumble others because the damage can be very great. And if they see that Christians are like that, they don't want to know God. You are the testimony of God. So how you treat others matter. So don't focus just on yourself, how others treat me, how they treat me, how they treat me. Why don't we think about how we treat others? Can we say amen? Amen. I'm not preaching just to you. I'm preaching to myself too. Amen. Let's go to the true and the living God, the God of comfort. Second Corinthians chapter 1 verse 3 to 4. Second Corinthians chapter 1 verse 3 to 4. The Father of mercies, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. God comforts us 
When the devil tells you that God does not care, kick him out. The devil is lying. Come on, say with me. Put your hand on your heart and say, God comforts me. Amen. Psalm 94 verse 19. Psalm 94 verse 19. In the multitude of thoughts within me, your comforts delight my soul. God is the greatest comforter. His comfort is much greater, higher than the comforts of men. Now, I want you to go to uh, Psalm 71, verse 21. Psalm 71, verse 21. Now, I want you to see the weak side of David, not just the strong side. Because we need to deal with our weaknesses, okay? Psalm 71, verse 21. You shall increase my greatness and comfort me on every side. Why? Because if you read before that, David had more than, David had a lot of sorrows. He said his tears, he had so much tears. He had a lot of tears that he wet his whole bed. David had a lot of sorrows. He was constantly chased after by Saul and he was rejected by his wife. So he was a man of sorrows. Acquainted with grief. But then he continually, he would go back to God. Continually, he would go back to God. And then he said this very powerful thing, this revelation, you shall increase my greatness and comfort me on every side. He said, I don't just need emotional comfort. I don't just need comfort in the feeling realm. I need power. Amen. Come on, say to yourself, I need power. Amen. David said, I need what is sustainable, what is practical, what is empowering, and what is reviving. Can we say amen? Glory be to God. So when we talk about comfort, we're talking about the comfort that brings you the power to overcome your mood swings. The power to overcome your depressing thoughts and tormenting emotions. The power to be in control and not to be manipulated. The power not to be provoked. The power not to react. Not to be annoyed by negative ideas, feelings, and thoughts. You want to have peace throughout the day and peace at night. The power to rebuke insomnia. Amen. The power to come out of poverty and slavery. So when you say you want comfort, when you need comfort, go beyond the feeling ram. You can have a, you can have a good meal and feel good, but that feeling does not last. You can spend the last hundred dollars that you have and go on a tour. But that happiness won't last. You can withdraw yourself from people and harden your heart and wear a mask. But your inside will be devastated and destroyed. The way to receive comfort and the source of comfort is God. It's the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. Rebuke that victimized mentality to always see yourself as a victim. The devil wants to keep you as a victim. 
in a prison, in a cell, in a ward. And he keeps you to think. He keeps you thinking that you can't come out. You're doomed. Because that's what he wants you to think. And that's what he makes you to think. But I want you to know the truth. The truth is you can choose. Your attitude is what you can choose. Your response is what you can choose. Your reaction is what you can choose. A free man can choose. A slave cannot. So do you want to be free or do you want to be a slave? Lift up your hands with me. I'm free. I'm free. I'm free. Amen. Free to choose. Free to choose. Free to choose what's good for your life. Free to choose what's good for you. Amen. And respect and honor one another's freedom. Can we say amen? Go with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verse 1. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verse 1. Are you okay? Yes. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verse 1. So I returned and considered all the oppressions that are done under the sun. And behold the tears of such as were oppressed. And they that had no comforter. The world has no comforter. The people of the world, they have no comforter. And on the side of their oppressors. There was power, but they had no comforter. Can you see the tragedy? That's why the world is in a tragedy, because the oppressor has power, and they have no comforter. That's why when anybody comes to church, we are not to judge, we are not to condemn, but our first response and our essential, immediate response should be to comfort. The church should be the house of comfort. The church should be the house of comfort. You haven't come here to impress me. And you don't need to impress me. Church is a place of comfort. Can we see amen? And we, every one of us, as a child of God, we are a part of that comfort. So when we see each other, we are not to check our new. You know, I, I've always, like, when I texted people and see how you're doing, and, and I have returned messages that said, thank you, Pastor, for checking out on me. You know, I'm not checking on you. <laughs> So when we have people coming, our response, we shouldn't be checking out and see how they're doing, whether they're sinning or not. And if they have sinned, oh, no, you shouldn't. No, we are to comfort and encourage. Can we say amen? Comfort and encourage. Say to the person next to you, comfort and encourage. Amen. Hallelujah. And let me ask you, who is the comforter? 
the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is the comforter. Glory be to God. The Holy Ghost is the comforter. Let me ask you, where does the Holy Ghost live? In a believer on the inside. And remember, it's the goodness of God. The goodness of God. The goodness of God that brings people to repentance. Not the condemnation, not the judgment. Judgment can never bring anyone to salvation. The more you are judged, the more you become rebellious. Because we are made to be loved. We are made to be accepted. The Bible says that you are accepted in the what? Beloved. Beloved. That means we are beloved first and then we accept everyone. Can you say amen? Say with me, I'm a Christian. I'm loved and I love people. One more time. I'm a Christian. I am loved and I love people. Amen. Now go with me to John 14, verse 16 to 18. John 14, 16 to 18. The Amplified Bible. Amen. John 14, 16 to 18 in the Amplified Version. This is Jesus speaking. He said, okay, then just listen to me. I will ask the Father... And he will give you another comforter. The word comforter is the Greek word parakletos, okay? And it includes all the seven ministry of the Holy Spirit. Thank you. So you see the comfort, the counseling, the help, the intercessions, the advocate. Advocate means to promote you, to raise you up higher, the strength. And the standing by. Can you see that's true comfort? That's how the Holy Ghost comforts us. Amen. It's not just emotional comfort. More than that, we need the comfort of God. Amen. The comfort that satisfies us, spirit and soul and body. The comfort of God makes you so secure and so safe. Amen. And the Holy Ghost counsels you with his wisdom, teach you how to live, and he helps you when you're weak. He intercedes for you, give you prayers to pray for yourself and to pray for others. And he promotes you, not to demote you. He strengthens you, not to weaken you. Amen. And he's the one standing by you all the time, wherever you go. Amen. And that's why you can never find somebody to replace the Holy Ghost. No matter how good your husband is, no matter how good your wife is, no matter how good your children are, no matter how good your parents are, nobody can love you and comfort you as much as the Holy Ghost. Nobody can understand you as much as the Holy Ghost. So don't compare the Holy Ghost with anybody else. Can we say amen? Because when you compare the Holy Ghost with anybody else, no one is good enough. (laughs) Amen. Well, let's continue with uh, verse 17. Now, a lot of Christians, they think the Holy Ghost is just feelings. No, the Holy Ghost is the spirit of truth. Now, there is revival going on on in America, and it's good. It's awesome to have a, a revival going on. It's good. 
Because in a revival, the hearts of the people are being stirred. The hearts of the people are being moved and Holy Ghost emotions start to rise up. But Christians, the church, you should be living in a revival all the time. How do we do that with the Holy Ghost in us? Amen. That we are not soulish. We're not worldly. We are spiritual. Come on, say to yourself, I am spiritual. Say to the person next to you, you are spiritual. Amen. Don't be conditioned by the world. Don't be affected by how people treat you. You're above only and not beneath the head and not the tail. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Hallelujah. Amen. The Holy Ghost is the spirit of truth. So if you want him and have him all the time, go to where? Your Bible. The word of God. The Bible is your, the Bible is God's accessible way so that you can have him all the time, anytime. Amen. It's even more convenient than your cell phone. Because your phone, you need to charge it. How many of you, how many of you have been awed by the fact that you can live without a charger? (laughs) You don't have to plug yourself and be charged every day. Have you ever, you know, been amazed by this? I mean, cars need the petrol. They need a, if it's an electric car, it still needs a charging station or still needs a battery. And you can search everywhere within yourself. You don't have a charger and you don't have a battery. (laughs) Amen. And that's man. So don't sin against people by not liking them. What is man that you are mindful of him? Lift up your hands and receive the love for people. The love for people. The love for even ugly people, terrible people. The love of God for sinners. The love of God for Christians. The love of God for Gentiles. The love of God for people. We need that. We need that very, very much. How many of you know that the minute you dislike people, you sin against yourself? Because the commandment is, To love your neighbor as yourself. So that means the minute you dislike someone else, you're not walking in love towards that person. The spiritual law is you don't love yourself. Because we are tied together. We are tied together with God, our love for God. And we're tied together, our love for people. Our love for ourselves. And that's why divorces happen. That's why marriages get broken. Because the minute you don't like your spouse, whom you live with every day, you start hating yourself. And hate starts to take hold of that household. And then strife starts to set in. And the devil's weapon is to get us to dislike one another, to be annoyed by one another, starting to hate one another, to be angry with one another, not only in the home, but also at the workplace, in church, everywhere we go. Don't forget that that's the devil's weapon. Don't succumb to that. Rebuke it. Take it away. Can we say amen? Hallelujah. Amen. That's the comforter. 
Amen. And continue to read. But you know and you recognize him for he lives with you constantly and will be in you. Glory be to God. Look at verse 18. I will not leave you as orphans, comfortless, desolate, bereaved, forlorn, and helpless. That's the promise of Jesus. Amen. Comfort is his promise to the church. Comfort is his promise to you personally, all the time, constantly. And he had kept his promise. He had sent the Holy Ghost to you. And that's why it pays to read your Bible. I encourage you to have your devotional time, the word of God, feed yourself. Because when you need the Holy Ghost to talk to you, the Holy Ghost will bring up what you have read. And he will talk to you through the word. He will give you prayers through the word. And that's why the word of God is your constant contact with God. Amen. Don't look for feelings. Feelings will destroy you. Look for the truth. I said to the teenagers, can these teenagers wave at me again, please? All the teenagers wave at me. I can see you. (laughs) Okay? Don't look for feelings. Look for the truth. When it's time for you to go on a date, don't look for romance. Look for character. Amen. Can we have an amen? Look for character. Praise the Lord. Amen. So what is the highest form of comfort? Can you tell me? The truth. The truth. And can I ask you to look at your spouse? Look at your spouse, okay? For those of you that are married, all right? Don't look for romance. Your spouse may not be the most romantic person on the earth. But surely there is faithfulness. There is loyalty. Amen. There is character. Glory be to God. There is perseverance living with you. (laughs) Can we say amen? Amen. Glory be to God. Amen. But at the same time, please do try a little bit to be romantic. Okay. So the truth is the highest and the greatest comfort over and above feelings and material gratifications. Are you ready for me to tell you something? We're living in the world and the world has curses. And one of those is called the curse of the Lord. (gasps) Pastor Dora, are you telling me that God curses people? Yes. Yes, go with me to Genesis chapter 3, verse 17. Genesis chapter 3, verse 17. Unto Adam, he said, because you have hearkened unto the voice of your wife. Now, your wife is different now because your wife is saved. Okay, so don't follow that. (laughs) Because the husband say, oh, I better not listen to my wife because God said don't listen to your wife. No, (laughs) that's because. You know, they were rebellious. Unto Adam, he said, because you have hearkened unto the voice of your wife and have eaten the tree of the tree of which I commanded you, saying, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In sorrow shall you eat of it all the days of your life. So there is a curse 
on the earth. That's why our world is so terrible now. There is a curse on the ground. That's why we are in short of food. All right? So understand that. Go with me to Psalm 90. Psalm 90. So not only was the earth cursed, but also the work of man also was cursed. So if you're depending on yourself to work, and if you're depending on yourself to produce for yourself, you are still living under the curse. Now go with me to Psalm, what did I say? Psalm, what did I say? Psalm 90, verse 10. The days of our years are threescore and ten. What's that? Eighty. And if by reason of strength they be fourscore years, uh, sorry, threescore and ten is seventy. And then by fourscore is eighty. Now this is not talking about Christians, this is talking about the Gentiles, okay? Those that are not saved. Yet is their strength labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. Now, you have to rightly divide the word of God. This is not about the church. This is not about Christians. So don't go around and say that it's good if I live up to 80. Don't go around and say that it's good if I live up to 70. This is referring to the unsaved. All right? And then we cut off and we fly away. And then, um, so the world operates under the curse. And that's why they have to try their best, you know, to live, to survive. Go with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 5 verse 17. Ecclesiastes 5, 17. All his days also he eats in darkness and he has much sorrow and anger with his sickness. Can you see how terrible a life is? Eating in darkness, eating in sorrow, and eating in sickness. And then listed in Leviticus chapter 26, verse 16, you read it for yourself, sorrow of heart. Deuteronomy 28, verse 65, a curse. So what is the key to this? What is the answer to this that God had given the church? Remember, Christianity is about redemption. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Christianity is about redemption. If somebody asks you, if your God is so good, why is the world so bad? And your answer should be, that's why we need the redeemer. Amen. We need the redeemer. The world, the God of the world is Satan. Jesus is the redeemer. He is the God of the church. He's the God of Zion. So redemption is the key to total freedom. Redemption is the key to total freedom from all sorrows, pain, sickness, poverty, strife, negative emotions. His redemption is 100% total freedom. Don't live with a mixed Christianity. The Garden of Eden, the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, mixed. Don't mix good with evil. Don't be sometimes good, sometimes bad. Don't be sometimes sick, sometimes healthy. Don't be sometimes happy, sometimes sorrowful. God is good. And he's good all the time. And his goodness is in you all the time. His goodness is with you all the time. And you'll walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You walk through it. You have victory all the time. All the time. Come on, say with me. All the time. The goodness of God. The victory of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Amen. Glory be to God. Don't mix good with evil. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Job 33 verse 24. He said, he is gracious to me and saith, deliver him from going down to the pit. I have found a ransom. This is the Old Testament. And Job, when he was about to be delivered, he could see. He, had, he started having revelation. He started having revelation that he had a redeemer. He started having the revelation that he had a redeemer, that he had found a ransom. Amen. Glory be to God. Amen. Instead of focusing on your sorrows, instead of focusing on your pain, instead of go focusing on your hurt, instead of focusing on how bad the world is, why don't you focus on your redeemer? Glory be to God. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Don't just take counsel from your soul. Christians, don't live by your soul. Don't live by what people tell you. Don't live live by what the world tells you. Don't live by what your feelings tell you. You will have destructions if you do that. Don't lose sight of your spiritual reality. Your salvation is real. Your salvation is real. Your salvation is real. And it's 100% delivered. Your salvation, my salvation is real. God had not kept anything back from us. This is the reality that we live by. Live by what is real. Live by what is real, the word of God. Live by what is eternally real, the word of God. Live by the truth. That is your highest comfort. Can we say amen? Hallelujah. Amen. Go with me to a very important scripture, Galatians chapter 3. Amen. When you see the cross, the world doesn't understand what the cross is about. When I was a Catholic, I didn't understand what the cross is about. I felt that I owe Jesus a debt. That's what the cross was saying. Jesus paid for my sin. Jesus died for my life. So that's why I need to serve him because I owe him a debt. No, God does not want you to live with a debt. You don't serve him because you owe him something. How many of you know that it's such a bad feeling to serve somebody because you owe him something? How many of you know what I'm talking about? The devil is the one to control and to manipulate. I don't want to owe anybody anything. And remember, our God is the God of freedom. So he won't, he won't sort of like still hold a puppet string because you owe him something. The cross is the place of exchange. The cross is the place of exchange. My sin for his righteousness. His sickness for my health. His joy for my mourning. Amen. His holiness for my wickedness. Can we say amen? Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. The reason why Jesus did not have his head chopped off, the reason why he had to die on the cross, is not because the people could catch him, because nobody could catch him if he didn't want to be catched. To be caught. He went to the cross willingly 
to be the sacrifice, the lamb, so that we could be set free from the curse. The curse that fell on the whole human race when Adam rebelled against God. How many of you know what I'm talking about? But what good would it do to you if you don't live it out? What good will it do to you if you still live like your curse? And you're still working hard. You're toiling and sweating every day to meet your end, to make your ends meet. And you're always sad and sorrowful and foreboding. Living under the curse. No, don't live under the curse. We are the blessed of the Lord. If your temperament is, mechan- is melancholy, you know, melancholy. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> As if being sorrowful is being beautiful, you know. Get rid of it. <laughs> Can we say amen? Amen. Come on, say with me. I'm joyful, hopeful, pessimistic, full of joy. Full of hope. Some of you still look at me like you. <laughs> Can you smile a little bit? Can you smile a little bit? Come on, say it one more time. I'm joyful. I'm hopeful. I'm full of peace. Full of confidence. Full of joy. Amen. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Can I give you another scripture? Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. These two scriptures, you must have them in your heart. You must engrave them. Amen. On the tablet of your heart. 2 Corinthians 5, 2. For he hath made him. Who is he? God the Father. For who had made him? Who is him? Jesus. To be sin. Why? 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 For us. Why? For us. Why? For us. Amen. That we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Because if you're not in the righteousness of God, if you're not righteous, you can't cast out devils. No matter how hard you try. Remember, comfort is not just about feelings. Comfort is also about your physical health. Comfort is also about your mental soundness. Comfort is also about your authority over the devil so that he can't bully you. Can we say amen? That's real comfort. All right, let's finish with this. You just listen, okay? Because I'm, I'm trying to buy time. Proverbs 10, 22. The blessing of the Lord, it makes you rich and he adds no sorrow with it. That's the blessings of the Lord. No sorrows. Amen. And Jer- uh, Jeremiah 31, 13. God said, I will turn their mourning into joy and will comfort them and make them rejoice from their sorrows. That means no more sorrows. Say to the person next to you, no more sorrows. One more time, no more sorrows. Well, some Christians think, well, I thought I need to serve God with a lot of tears. Those who sow in tears. Praise the Lord. Jesus had already received the tears from the Old Testament saints. 
Jesus had already paid the price. So you need to rejoice in him. Can we say amen? Those who sowed in tears, what will happen to them? They will reap in joy. So focus on the reaping. Don't sow in tears for 30 years and have no harvest. Can you imagine if there's no harvest, you would have died? (laughs) It only took God how long to make the whole universe? Six days. That's it. Okay? Isaiah, therefore with joy will you draw waters from the wells of salvation. Now, is that okay? I tell you something. Some of you, you, are still have, you still have a lot of problems in your life because your temperament is too melancholic. You tend to have a sorrowful disposition. So lift up your hands and get rid of it today. Say with me, I'm joyful, not sorrowful. Sorrows, get out of my life. Get out of my life in Jesus' name. Amen. Glory be to God. Well, some of you maybe still are not convinced, you know, the religious minds. Let me give you the last scripture, Revelation 21 verse 4. Revelation 21 verse 4. Because if you always believe in sadness and you go around always sad and you're always thinking negative thoughts and your feelings always negative and you go around like this, so sad, so sad, so sad. And guess what you get? Sorrows, because that's what you want. That's what you believe in. That's your atmosphere. That's what you live by. That's the water you swim in. So get rid of it. Can we say amen? Revelation 21 verse 4. Amen. Revelation 21 verse 4. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. That means you don't need to cry. And death shall be no more. And shall there be any anguish, sorrow, and mourning, nor grief, nor pain anymore, nor the old conditions and the former days of the things have passed away. Hell is full of sorrows and pain and tears and madness and anger and hatred and frustration. That's hell. So don't live hell on earth. The Bible says that you can have days of heaven on earth. Days of heaven on earth. Okay, I need to explain this. The Bible talks about dispensations, okay? We are not living in the new Jerusalem yet. We're still living in the world on the earth. But I want you to know that every one of us personally, there's a corporate dispensation and there's a personal salvation. So for every Christian personally, you can live days of heaven on earth because you have been translated out of the kingdom of darkness, out of hell into the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ because you no longer live by a soulish, natural human life. You are living the eternal life of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why the rewards of heaven are for you now. And that's why Jesus taught the church to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You don't have to wait till... You have died and gone to heaven. You don't have to wait till the end times, the new Jerusalem. The new Jerusalem would not come till after the great tribulation. And we, as a church, don't have to go through the great tribulation. 
because you're living days of heaven on earth. Can we say amen? Give the Lord a big hand of praise. Amen. Glory be to God. I can see that there are no... Not, oh. Okay, can I ask you to close your eyes and bow your head?